0: Ready.
1: Our evening began in Peter Seychelles' comfortable study in his New York townhouse. No sleep till Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn Bronx, Queens and Staten. From the batteries to the top of Manhattan.
0: Hello everybody, my name is Jim Shear and welcome to the official, unofficial Beastie Boys podcast known as the Bruhaha. It's been a while, right? I don't know if you're doing the math, but if I didn't get an episode of the Brouhaha out this week, it would be two full years of no Bruhaha. So I wanted to get one in, So, nobody could say, man, he does this Beastie Boys podcast, but he hasn't put one out in two years. But look at me. I'm actually turning in to a Beastie Boy. You know the deal. They would take years between studio albums. I'm still holding it against the Beastie Boys that they took six years to put out to the five boroughs. So, here we are, tail end of 2021. I'm going to get out an episode. Just so, once again, you can't say, he didn't put out an episode for two whole years. Only one whole year. Did not put an episode of the brouhaha out in 2020. Now, some of you listening and living your lives may have thought to yourselves, huh, a pandemic hit, Jim's working at home, he probably has all the time in the world to record episodes of the brouhaha. Not true. 2020, 2020 in 2021, were some of the busiest years of my life. Not only that, not only was I working super long days, but there was a chunk of that time where my kids were doing school from home. So I would have to log them onto the computer. Long hours and getting my kids into remote school had no time to record an episode of the brouhaha. So anyway, I I give you all of that information to say, I'm sorry. I still do care about the Beastie Boys. I still wanna do this podcast. If it was up to me, I would do this professionally. I would crank out one a week, but I don't do this professionally because once again, this is the official, unofficial Beastie Boys podcast, but we're doing an episode today. And I thought it was important to put one out before the year ends because we lost three key figures from the Beastie Boys family this year. We lost Ricky Powell. And many of you probably saw his documentary on Showtime recently titled The Individualist. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know most of Ricky Powell's life story. He was selling, froze out in the streets of New York City, Caught wind that the Beastie Boys were on tour with Run DMC. Knew of Ad-Rock. I don't know how close they were. Were they friends? Were they friends of friends? Whatever the case, Ricky Powell and Ad-Rock are friendly with each other. Ricky Powell catches wind that the Beastie Boys are on tour with Run DMC. And on a whim, decides, hey, I'm going to fly down to Florida. So he flies down to Florida all of this is in the documentary, by the way, hitchhikes to the Tampa Dome or whatever it was called, the Sun Dome, the Tampa Dome, whatever, knocks on the back door, asks for the Beastie Boys. Amazingly, the security guard looks for the Beastie Boys and there you go. Ricky Powell is invited into the inner circle of the Beastie Boys. They give him a bunk on their tour bus. Maybe he's the taste of New York City that the Beastie Boys need at the time. And for a spell, I guess more than a spell, for a handful of years, some people think Ricky Powell is actually a Beastie Boy. And because he is granted access into that Beastie world, which gives him access to Run-DMC and LL Cool J and the world of hip hop, that is the inn that Ricky needs to become a revered street photographer. And not even watching the documentary, just knowing the history of the Beastie Boys and the history of Ricky Powell, it made sense that mid to late 90s, they took separate paths. Because, you know, around that time, the Beastie Boys weren't talking about boinking and doinking. Ricky Powell still was. You know, they they grew apart. But for the sake of this conversation, that is neither here nor there. Ricky Powell, a -a one-of-a-kind personality. His street photography has become legend. RIP to the Rickster, Ricky Powell. We also lost the diabolical Biz this year. He was recording with the Beastie Boys at G-Sun was looking through the record collection, pulled out a a Ted Nugent album, start singing over it, and that gave us the biz versus the Nuge. There's a great extended version of Groove Holmes. What I wouldn't give to be a fly on the wall at G-Sun in the early 1990s. Biz Marquee comes over, asks for candy, goes out on candy runs. Sometimes he never comes back. He's like, hey, let's record. I'm gonna get some candy, and he leaves. And they're like, where did Biz go? He went to get candy. I wanna know, how did the Beastie Boys and Biz Marquis dream up covering Benny and the Jets? Like, where does that idea come from? And it was a sad day. And I think that day hit when the Beastie Boys put out the mix up when Biz Marquis was not featured on a Beastie Boys studio album. Because think about it. He either recorded or was sampled on four consecutive Beastie Boys studio albums Check Your Head, Ill Communication, Hello Nasty, and To the Five Burrows. Rest in peace to the diabolical Bismarck Go by the name of the King and rock, rock. Super educated, I'm smarter than Spock, Spock. You ever it's... tell me you, <laughs> you will agree? Ain't no brother like the K-I-D-D. You know what I mean? And we also lost Lee Scratch Perry this year. Reggae pioneer. However, if you're a teenager in the 1990s, Maybe you don't even realize that Lee Scratch Perry is a reggae recording and producing pioneer. Maybe you just think he's a a close friend of the Beastie Boys. Lee Perry was the cover boy on the very first issue of Grand Royal Magazine, where the Beastie Boys take a deep, 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 deep dive into his career. Keep in mind, Grand Royal Magazine, small font, thick issues, they dived deeply into things. And then a handful of years later, Lee Scratch Perry is in New York City as the Beastie Boys are putting together their brand new album, Hello Nasty, and they ask Lee if he would be on a track. Only problem was, it was Halloween and there's a big parade in New York City. It was hard to get a car service or cab anywhere. So, legend has it that MCA and I believe Mario C pick up Lee Scratch Perry and take him on the subway to record the track. Now, it turned out to be a blessing because Lee Scratch Perry is a unique character and individual. Any other day of the year, people are giving two, three, four, or five takes when Lee Scratch Perry walks by. On Halloween, they think nothing of it. So MCA and Mario C bring Lee Scratch Perry to the recording studio he asks for markers and poster board to write down his lyrics, and they come up with the track, Dr. Lee, Ph.D. So rest in peace to Lee Scratch Perry. All right, so now on to this particular episode of the Haha. When I started this podcast, it was always a dream of mine to get Beastie Boys players involved. I didn't think I was going to get Mike D or Ad Rock. I mean, I still could, but let's face it, Mike D and Ad Rock don't seem like podcast type of guys. I mean, maybe one day, maybe one day they'll be on the brouhaha. But I had my sights set on people like Money Mark, Mario C, Fredo, Kate Schellenbach, Mixmaster Mike. So, some of those that I just named have appeared on the brouhaha, but Mixmaster Mike, he was always one that I wanted. And I thought, you know what? I, I bet Mike would do it. So, I ran into Mixmaster Mike backstage at a Cypress Hill show in 2019. And I said, oh, Mike, you got to do my Beastie Boys podcast. He's like, yes, I'll do it. And you know who else said they would do an episode of the brouhaha? Eric Bobo. So I thought, great. Then 2020 hit, everything gets shut down. However, at the time, to fill in programming gaps on SiriusXM volume, I get my own show, The Jim Shear Show. And leading up to the premiere of the Beastie Boys movie, I had a Beastie Boys Week. So I brought in Evan Bernard, Jeremy Shatten, Andre Kelman, and I wanted to end Beastie Week big. So I got a hold of Mixmaster Mike. But not officially. I'm not talking to his manager or his people. This is kind of happening on the dark web. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I hope this is Mixmaster Mike. But you know, the conversation we were having. Made it appear that it was Mixmaster Mike. Because I was alluding to the Cypress Hill concert in 2019. I said, hey, you know, I would love to get you on my podcast. I've got my own serious XM show. Would you like to do it to hype up the Beastie Boys movie? Mixmaster Mike is like, sure, I'll do it. So we're messaging each other back and forth. And this is fresh into the quarantine when people weren't traveling. I found out that Mixmaster Mike was quarantining in Amsterdam. So I said, okay, like, let's set something up. Tried to figure out the time difference. Long story short, I think I interviewed Mixmaster Mike at 10.30 on a Sunday morning. So I've been working in music and entertainment for the last 20 years. I don't think I've ever had an interview on a Sunday morning, but I did. With Mixmaster Mike. So, for anyone who's curious, the interview I conducted with Mixmaster Mike for my radio show, if any of you thought that I would do it differently for the brouhaha, no. Same, same question. So, yeah. So, basically, when I was interviewing Mixmaster Mike, in the back of my head, I thought, well, sometime down the line, I'll use this for an episode of the brouhaha and that sometime is now. Are you ready? It's a dream come true. Enjoy the interview. Here is me and Mixmaster Mike, which originally aired on the Jim Shear Show in the year 2020 on SiriusXM Volume, Channel 106. It is Beastie Week on the Jim Shear Show, and it is a pleasure right now. Lifelong dream of mine. Well, I-, I shouldn't say lifelong dream of mine, but it's been a dream of mine for over 20 years to interview this man professionally, the one, the only, the serial wax killer, mix master, Mike! What up, Jim? Now, how the hell did you get stuck in Amsterdam?
1: As everybody knows and the world knows, I, re- I was on a world tour. I had an album. That I just dropped is called conquest and that dropped, uh, beginning of 2020. So I was, I was out and about through the UK doing shows. And unfortunately this came up and I had to cancel the last four dates of my tour. So, um, I ended up in Paris, France for, for a week and then I decided to come stay with a good friend of mine here in Amsterdam.
0: Are you in Amsterdam by choice or did you get stuck there?
1: No, i like I said, I have a good friend of mine that runs, uh, Amsterdam so so now I'm am staying at his house right now so I'm 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 in a, I'm in a safe spot right now with a good friend of mine so.
0: so he runs Amsterdam as in he's the king of Amsterdam
1: he practically is the king of Amsterdam <laughs> well, he's, the, he's the CEO of uh, booking.com so
0: but you've got you've got a big space there where you could spread uh, out
1: yeah it's it's pretty it's, it's cool it's, it's it's a good it's a good place you know it'd be better if my family was with me but so it how do you do? You
0: connect with your family through FaceTime and Zoom and whatnot.
1: Zoom, FaceTime, all of that. Yeah, thank God.
0: And are you keeping your fingers nimble?
1: <laughs> well, I had some turntables sent to me over here. So you're in thank shape, you. then. You could thank rock you, a set you. tonight if you wanted to. Well, thanks to my good my my manager, Copeland Entertainment and uh, Pioneer, they they sent me they sent me a, a package, so that you know, allows me to keep in shape.
0: I am with the serial wax killer, Mixmaster Mike, who's in Amsterdam. Hopefully the States. Hopefully we get you back soon. Are you planning a trip home within the next couple
1: of oh, weeks man. or so? Of course. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the plans. You know what I mean? We'll see. We'll see how it all pans out.
0: Have you seen the Beastie Boys movie yet? Yes. And?
1: Well, I mean, it's just like telling me to review like my brother's lives, like their life stories. I can't review it because it's a part of their, it's 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 their upbringing, it's how they started. So it's just, it's just like there's no one can really judge that. It's just, uh, it's it's based on facts. You know, what I mean, it's just factual. It's, not, it's, it's like
0: it's not fiction. This is non-fiction. Well,
1: we try, yeah. You know, guys, try not just to, to add little dishes.
0: Mike, how come you weren't on the second leg of that tour, the one that was filmed that was eventually used for the movie?
1: It's because my album was coming out, and I had to to go on tour for my album. And I had obligations. I had obligations to Cypress Hill. And I'm a man of my word, you know what I mean? If I tell somebody, like, I'm going to do something, I'm there, and they're taking care of me, it's like, I can't diss Cypress Hill and go, oh, I got to go back with the Beastie Boys. No, I had an obligation that that I need to live up to. And plus, I had my album coming out, so I'm just I'm just I'm just a loyal motherfucker man That's weird.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm you're doing loyal. this show, you didn't have to do this yeah.
1: show. the proof is right no, here but but jim but jim, yeah, you go you go way back with this, you know what i mean <laughs> uh m t v live Los no, I know, Vegas. but I was a little bummed
0: when I found out that you weren't going to be on that leg that was going to yeah. end up in the movie
1: I know, I know it's a it, 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 it's, it's it's weird, but I mean, it, it, it was all it's all meant to be. You know what I mean? Like I said, like you know, if I have obligations to somebody, especially a big crew like B real and those guys, I'm not gonna diss them. I'm
0: no, I I, them. I I get it, but part of me yeah. wanted you up there. Did did anyone that, did anyone film the original shows? Did any of that get into the movie? I, you know what? Well,
1: not not really, but you know. <laughs> Not really. We wanted everybody wanted it to be, and I know everybody's been hitting me up like, like "Oh, I hope you're in. I hope you're doing it. And I was like, "I don't want to be a bearer of like difficult news, but you know, it is it, it is what it is. It's the Beastie Boys story. You know what I mean? They they had a story before I came into the picture."
0: So. But let's talk about your part of the story. Let's go back to the beginning: Rocksteady reunion in New York City. And did you know that Evan Bernard? was the one that actually brought MCA to the Rocksteady reunion. So had it not been for Evan Bernard, maybe you don't hand that business card off to MCA at the Rocksteady reunion. Can you take us back to that party?
1: Yeah, it's, 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 in, it's interesting because, you know, me having ties with, you know, much love to the Rocksteady crew, you know, Crazy Legs, Ken Swift, Devious Doze. I mean, those were, that, that, that was family and we were considered the Rocksteady DJs at that time. And being just being a part of them as like the, the pioneers of the hip hop movement was just amazing. And and being able to, and I remember like Fat Joe was there, like everybody was there, KRS one
0: Did you have the a hoop- stack of business
1: cards? Like, oh, Fat Joe, here, here's one, Blastmaster. No, you truth, I couldn't afford like that <laughs> many. I remember I, I could only buy like 50. By bulk, so this <laughs> is like okay, but I'm gonna put everything on it, you know, world champion, Wax because the whole shit on on the card. And um, corny as it sounds, like yeah, it did say world DJ champion on the card.
0: So did you did you approach MCA? I did.
1: I think I Yeah. So I how did. does that
0: conversation
1: go? You know, it was it's funny because it's like uh, amongst all the who's who of hip hop that were there, it was like okay, and like I said, Bad Joe, um, Boogie Down Productions, all the guys um ultra magnetic i saw m c a and I was just like oh shit there was au- there was an automatic connection you know for me um because I always thought that you know i belonged you know what i mean, and i felt like i' have i o- i've had something that they've needed for for a lo- for a long time and um you know and um so I, yeah, so I approached him and then um funny enough, he knew who I was from the the d m c championship battles, which was awesome, and so I was just like um uh, yeah, give me your address and I'll send you some some battle tapes of the competitions and whatnot and some mixtapes and whatnot. So so you know, give him a card, he gave me his phone number. He gave me his uh I, I knew it was real when he gave me his home number.
0: That's the that's I mean, that's real. It's not the
1: office. It's his didn't home give number. He did me his manager's number. He didn't give me the management number. He gave me his number number. And um it's funny, funny um when he wasn't when he wouldn't answer the phone, I would leave these messages that, on his answer machine. Hey, yo, Adam, what's up? This is Mike. I'm calling from Sacramento. Um, uh, I didn't want to hook up with you. Um, maybe on some tracks. I got some shit right here. If you could... wobble, So that's how it all started, is me sending them tapes, me sending them mixtapes, videos. And basically just transmitting, you know what I mean? Just sending him sending him some shit that's, that was going to provoke thought.
0: You do understand
1: that's bold. <laughs> I'm, one, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm like, I'm relentless, man. Anybody that know, yeah, you, you step to anybody that knows me and, and what I represent. They know that I'm relentless. And they know, I stand by my product. So
0: we hear one of those messages on Hello Nasty when you're doing the tweak scratch. And the yeah. thing is, it wasn't just one message. This was a series of messages. Do you know if MCA ever got perturbed? There was probably three or four messages.
1: <laughs> it's like, I geez, left he it. left me the tweak scratch again. Dear God. No, actually, no, no there were probably different ones because I don't like to repeat myself.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's like.
1: So it's how does it moment. come
0: to be where you work on the Beastie Boys' next album, Hello Nasty?
1: After I left those messages, it was uh, I think a three month period that the guys called my, they actually called my house and it was, uh, I won't forget it. It's, uh, yeah. Ad Rock, Mike D, Mario, Adam on the line. And my sister answered the phone. And I remember my sister answering the phone and, uh, she came knocked on my bedroom and she was like, yeah, the beastie boys are on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Just weird, man. I was like, come on. No way. She goes, yeah, Mike is on the phone with Mario and Adam and Adam like, Oh shit. And that was it got on the line hey and they were like hey we're working on a new record and um we want to fly you out here to work on it with us and it was just simple as that it was like okay here's my address and the plane ticket right here yeah they flew me out and i stayed there for like two weeks now this is in new york city right in new york yes yeah, i stayed at the uh, where, stay, where they put me up the soho grand and, and and yeah i stayed there for two weeks and basically just camped out with those guys
0: and then while you're flying over to New York City, do you know the material that you're working on? Did they give you any little demo cuts?
1: I remember Mario uh, played Intergalactic, the, the stripped down versions of Intergalactic on the, on the phone. And I was just like, oh shit, okay, this direction, this is the direction. And I, and I told him like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's total, totally my lane. And I guess that's why they reached out too. They were like, okay, they wanted to explore. You know, it, it's SpaceX before there was SpaceX.
0: So you get to New York City. Where are you guys recording? Is this in the dungeon?
1: We're rehearsing in the dungeon, but uh, we were recording uh, uh, Mott Street Studios. Okay. Yeah. And and yeah, I remember being there for like a week and a half and uh, just yeah, camped out. And uh, it was amazing. I, I actually brought a video camera there and I videotaped everything.
0: You got that video?
1: I got the video, yeah.
0: Would you like to share it with me?
1: <laughs> I'm going to share it with the world one day. <laughs> It's amazing, like, it's not, uh, you talk about bold, Like that's me not really giving a fuck. I just came <laughs> in and I was just like, I'm gonna hit the record button. Because I knew that was special. When
0: you were working on Hello Nasty, where the Beastie Boys rhyming, and then you're adding a little bit here, a little bit there, how did that work?
1: Oh no, a lot of it was stripped down. You know, we got this, we got this book, and we just need you to fill in the blanks. A lot of it was one take. That's insane, but, but session, that's insane. Yeah. The session, the session started out with me performing for those guys. Just like, putting on a routine. I, I actually was turning them on to shit. Like here, gather. So I remember all of them gathered around the turntables. and I was like, check this out. And I would do all these different scratches you know, and break, break out all these records and all these sounds. And, um, and so that pretty much opened them up to go to, to like, oh shit, we can apply all of this shit that you're doing to each one of the songs.
0: Now, is it true that three MCs and one DJ, that was the last song that you did? So the sessions went so well that the Beastie Boys were like,
1: you know what? Let's do one more. That was the last song, yes. Well, well, actually, this is how it all started. I was scratching a drum, and they were all around me. They all were around the turntable just looking at me, and they were just like, what the fuck? And I was just like, you know what? You guys should rap over this shit. (laughs) You guys should rap over this shit. That shit would be so sick. Like really, really like, it would be so dope. Like if there was like a human element and we brought that human element back and they were like, okay. And so they all left the room to go hop in a car to go write some rhymes. (laughs) I remember they left, they left me and Mario in the studio and uh, they left for like two hours to go write some rhymes. So did they all go in different places? No, they left together. Oh, they left together. yeah, but, but what I understand is they, they made a deli run. They, they hopped in a car. And they made a deli run or whatever, like, got some coffee. And then they all went somewhere to go write the lyrics to three MCs. Wow. While, while I laid down the, the foundation with Mario. So I was, like, telling Mario, just keep the record button going. Just keep it on. Keep it on. I'm just going to do a bunch of shit, and then we're going to sort through it, and then we're going to make it into a three-minute song.
0: So you recorded your stuff, and then later yeah. the Beastie Boys rhymed on top of it?
1: Yes. They came in and then they went directly to the vocal booth and it was just like, got the D double O, D double O <laughs> style. And, was, and I'm like, look at it and it was like, wow.
0: You know, some people get shouted out in a Beastie Boys song. You have your own Beastie Boys song.
1: And I'm truly, truly honored.
0: When did it come to be where you officially became a member of the Beastie Boys?
1: It was after recording that song when we put the finishing touches to three MCs in the studio, they uh, they grabbed me. And I remember to this day, it was Adam, Adam, and Mike grabbed me. We went into this empty studio within the studio, Mount street, and we all sat on the floor. And they were like, yeah, Mike, we want you to become our DJ. And I was just like, wow. And- um, Did you say, well, I, I, me, I do, I do, I will well, become no, your DJ. Well, for me, you know, you know, and and this comes, you know, back to loyalty. I asked him, what about Hurricane? Kane's been with you guys for a while and um, I didn't want to be a homewrecker, you know. <laughs> but But what was their answer to that? Uh they were they were like, Well Kane likes it. Kane's uh, more into rapping. Okay,
0: because and he was their DJ for a, for a long time. For a long time. For a long time. But you did ask about Hurricane and then they said yeah, he's, yeah, he's more interested in into rapping. I, I,
1: out of respect, out of respect, yeah, I was just like concerned. And um, they were like, "Oh, don't worry about it. He's fine. like he has other things he does too, so he'll be fine with it. And um, it was, you know, when, when the glove fits, it just fits, and it's just kind of a meant- to-be thing. So did the you unit- ever
0: did you ever experience backlash from any Beastie Boys fans? Because there is a lyric in the Beastie Boys song Alive. Here's a little something that you might not like. My DJ's name is Mixmaster Mike. It's a real pity that people got a bite, but I can understand because he sounds so nice.
1: No, no one has ever approached me about being upset about it.
0: I was a little upset at the time. Not because I hated you, but because I loved Hurricane. I thought he was a presence behind the turntables.
1: Jim, you're allowed that. <laughs> you're, you're allowed that. But you're dealing with something from a whole different mindset.
0: So years after the fact, for sports fans, I compare it to Joe Montana and Steve Young. There was yeah. there was a younger quarterback who could do many things that Joe Montana could not do. So
1: So Kane is Joe Montana. And <laughs> this in this <laughs> analogy,
0: but then when you look at the bigger scope, I mean, Mixmaster Mike, you've become one of the greatest DJs of all time.
1: Well, you know what? It's the Beastie Boys giving me that platform and that gave me that confidence. Them giving me that platform was a gift to really turn the world on to me as an artist and what I do and what what I represent. So much love to that. I mean, you know, to get this gigantic platform from being this underground thing Mm -hmm. and to a worldwide thing, it's just like, wow. The confidence just builds when you go through shit like that, you know what I mean? Like, me being on tour with Metallica, opening up for Metallica. Now, you can understand, like, my confidence just went through the roof. Like, if I could open up for Metallica and, yeah, I mean, not to change gears, but I'm just saying, like, there's, con- there's moments uh, where my confidence was being constantly built up to where it's just like, oh, if I could do this shit, I could fucking do anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just it's just all a blessing. It's all a blessing. My life has been, like, just fucking... You can't write this shit.
0: No. And if it makes you feel any better, uh, by the end of 98, I was on board. I was like, all right, I do like Mix Master Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike, we're going to take a break. And uh, will you stick around for another segment? Yeah, no, no doubt. All right, because I know you're in Amsterdam. I don't know how busy you are, but I would love to chat with you for another 15 or 20 minutes.
1: Well, I don't think I have anywhere to go right now and nobody to see, so. So let's talk for another two hours then.
0: <laughs> more more with the serial wax killer mixmaster Mike when we come back what? on the Jim Shear show
1: cause nobody can do it like Mixmaster can come on I got the team. don't go anywhere we'll be right back after these messages don't touch I rock from Manhattan to the Miracle Mile. and was <laughs> the the main thing about doing stunt work is safety first. I learned that from Burt Reynolds himself because if you're not going to be safe, you're not going to be careful with the people around, the people who are in the vicinity watching you do a manly stunt, and uh, you might hurt somebody.
0: The three. If you, if
1: you wanna know the real deal about the three, we're going to tell you what triple trouble, y'all. We're gonna bring you up the street and check it out.
0: We are back on the Jim Shear Show. It is Beastie Week, and I am still joined by the cereal wax killer, the one and only Mix Master, Mike! Ooh, what, what? All right, we gotta talk Beastie Live shows. You took it to another level from 98 on. So when you're dropping in instrumental, like different instrumentals throughout the set, not just the original studio cut, but different instrumentals all over the place, did you have to run those instrumentals past the Beastie
1: Boys? Uh, never. So they had total faith in you. There was no warning. This was a, these were all sneak attacks.
0: Were you ever admonished after a show? Like, Mike, I wish you wouldn't have played that beat or was it all praise? Never. 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 Always one take too. Still, still yes. find that crazy to believe that everything you did with the Beastie Boys was
1: one take. Yeah, well, you know, there's certain things that, you know, God gifts you with. And, he, you know, God has like, gifted me with the, the, the art of, like, uh, improv. You know what I mean? If I had your knowing, confidence. Knowing, you know what? Knowing when, when something is too much, you know, having that, in, that intuition. It's, it's, almost like, it's almost like a spidey sense, you know, for me. And what Miles Davis taught me is, like, using silence as a key weapon. Knowing when to lay off of something. Knowing when to cut off something to leave everybody in suspense. And that's what I'm about, representing suspense. It's like, it's like that, that unpredictable thing where, okay, what's he gonna do now? Which is awesome, that shit.
0: It just, it gave their live shows in live hip hop a whole other look. Cause it was so unpredictable. And while you were watching the Beastie Boys, in the back of your head, you were like, what's he gonna drop next? What's he gonna drop next? Is he gonna go big, he's gonna go subtle, is he gonna go this way, he's gonna go that way?
1: <laughs> That's the beauty of it because when you watch clips on YouTube, you just, you get a different experience all the time, you know? Especially if the record skips. Sometimes I would wish the record to skip in front of thousands of people because that, that way you know this is not fucking playback, it's on a DAP machine, it's not CD. That shit is really happening right now, right before your eyes. And that was the beauty of our crew, like everything was live.
0: Did you have a favorite beat to drop in during the Beasties live set?
1: Damn. You know, it was funny. I dropped Gary Newman cars into one of their songs, which was just really left field. And it kind of worked out and it, and it worked in And just the look when they, you know, they look back at me when I drop it in, they look back like dumbfounded, like, no, you did and it. I'm, and I'm like, yes, I did it. Rap. One of my
0: favorites was JB's Coming Through from the Jungle Brothers, when you would drop that into Root Down.
1: My favorite, my favorite Jungle Brothers song. Oh man, powerful, powerful track. And
0: and then later, you had like a a piano-based beat in Root Down, and I think you may have come up with that beat, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of them that I actually produced. I would make a bunch of beats before I'd go on tour, strip down beats for them to wrap over, and and me and my D used to press up these customized vinyls. So I had an arsenal, I mean a plethora of weapons of mass destruction back there.
0: Did you ever have a, a vinyl go out during a show? One that was scratched or warped and you didn't have a backup? Oh, all the time, yes. So what but would you do, the... You just you just improvise?
1: Yes, yeah. You yeah, the funny, know, the funny thing, if something skipped or the record was fucked up, I could grab a kick in the snare, and I could just perform a drum beat, you know, on the turntables. Wow. And we, and we could do that all day, like, right? you know what I mean? <laughs> Variations, <laughs> because the show is still on, right? People don't know the difference. It's like, oh, shit, it's part of the show. But then we'd know. It's all about, it's all about, what's the dismount going to look like? You know what I mean? <laughs> how's he going to end this? How's he going to end this shit? So.
0: Once again, we are speaking with Mixmaster Mike, DJ for the Beastie Boys Cypress Hill, one of the greatest DJs to ever live. Can you walk me through a Beastie Boys practice? Before you're set to go out on tour, what does it look like? What songs are you going over? Are you practicing every song? Are there songs that you're practicing that don't end up on the
1: set list? All the time, yeah. I mean... It's crazy because there's a lot of songs that we don't perform, and, and we've actually practiced. Like? You know, like Johnny Rayel. Oh,
0: or... so you would practice Johnny Royale?
1: Do you have footage of that somewhere? Uh, no, I don't, uh. I don't. But but you know, songs like that, we would practice. We would actually practice those songs, like a lot of the B-side cuts on uh, Paul's Boutique. And, and, it would, and it'd be funny because They'd forget their lyrics, but I would know their lyrics. And I would kind of, I'd have my own mic during the practices, and I would I would say the rhymes with them. And they're like, oh, shit, yeah, OK. And then, and then they, I'm kind of like there to refresh their memory.
0: What about Professor Booty? Was that ever practiced? Yes.
1: Mm. Yeah,
0: they're, they're booty, yeah. So many
1: whack MCs, you get the TV Bozak. Ain't even to call out your names, because you're so whack. But me and, me and Yao used to do the set list for every show. So we would sit and we would like decompose each show in the dressing room every night. And we would go, and we would be really strategic about it. And we would go, oh, let's insert this one because we didn't do this the last two shows. So we would kind of like, you know, that we, took, we took pride in one, playing mahjong, two, drinking green tea, playing basketball, and doing the set list.
0: Did you have so, a, a favorite Beastie Boys song to perform live?
1: Oh, man. Well, three MCs, I mean. Of course. That was fun because, uh, yeah, everything. I mean, they're all different experiences, right? They're, I mean, of course, I mean, Sabotage is like that banger that just like blows the whole place up. But.
0: So, Mike, do you ever see the Beastie Boys performing together again?
1: Uh, as, as a collective?
0: As the Beastie Boys. As he Adam and Mike? And Money Mark and Fredo. Uh
1: no, I, I I really I really don't. Was it has it
0: ever been discussed?
1: Um not really. I, I kinda you know, I, I kind of push the little things here and there to possibly do, but it's like and just the guys feel weird with, with you know doing something without our captain, yak. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I with- get
0: that, but as a fan too, I feel like we have one life to live and it meant so much in my life to see live Beastie Boys performances. And I'm yeah. like, we've got Mike. We've got Mike D and Ad Rock. We've got Fredo. We've got Money Mark. We could, we could put together a show. It wouldn't be 100% Beastie Boys, but Beastie Boys at 70% is better than most things out there today. So here's yeah. the thing, Mike. I'm at the book show two years ago. You're on stage. Mike D has a mic in hand. Ad Rock has a mic in hand. And I thought, if you just spin a, a little beat and Mike and Adam rhymed for 30 seconds, it would just it would bring me so much joy you don't even understand. So to me, that- it's, it's not about the money. It's the joy no, that you would spread to the world. Tell, tell that to Adam and Mike. And then Mike. Then, last year, I'm at a Mike D DJ set. He's rhyming over Beastie
1: Boys instrumentals. He's doing Beastie Boys songs. Right. It could happen. Jim, it could happen. It could happen. Do you, do, really do you, need happen. Me to, you want
0: me to call someone?
1: <laughs> do you want me to sell them <laughs>
0: on it as, from a fan's perspective?
1: From a fan's perspective, you could tell them, like, hey, you know. Whatever, like, yeah. I mean, it's all about you know, igniting the torch.
0: So you went from it wouldn't happen to maybe it could
1: happen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, I was like, why not? You know, why not push something? Push something. You I don't mean, even have to call a- it
0: the. You don't even have to call it the Beastie Boys. But if you're behind yeah. the turntables and you've got Mike and Adam on mics, I mean that <laughs> I'm I'm set. I'm over this whole Corona thing. Like next year, if you guys just do a little twenty minute set. That sets me up for the next ten years of life.
1: <laughs> yeah, it would that would definitely bring a lot of joy. It would definitely bring a lot of joy, and um, you know, it's it's the ball the ball is in their
0: court. All no, the I know. Time, so. so put in put in the good word for me, okay? Okay,
1: <laughs> I will, man. Yeah. All
0: right, I, I want to talk about a technical issue with you. So yeah. it was either last year or the year before. You go on Instagram Live. And you say, ah, I'm, I'm just feeling like it today. I'm going to play you MCA's last track. And there are five bars of MCA rhyming. And I believe the last rhyme was another word, another bird, another passing day. And then I confronted you in October. And I said, that those rhymes you played, where are they going to end up? And you said, oh, there's going to be a bonus disc on my album Conquest. The song's going to be on there. So I got the bonus disc great track oh, by the way but those five bars are not on this album you no, only gave me one know. mca bar and the mca bar was uh, lyrics found in the attic of my brain and then there was one more from the woodshed i'm working on my chops um to hot off the uh, presses coming off the it. box okay.
1: yeah and you know in it, 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 it's out of respect It's out of respect. I got the, I got, I got blessings from, from our good friend Detchen. And um, I just didn't want to, you know, I don't know for me, it's just like, it wasn't about going, Hey, look, get Conquest. Adam's on this out of respect. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a, there's something that I don't know. Cause I I just didn't want to release the song.
0: But you also told me in October that you and MCA had a whole bunch of these jam out sessions where you would play beats and he would run. Yeah, and
1: that was one of them on, on 50 caliber. That was one of the sessions with with me and him going back and yes. forth. Yes. So how
0: many of these sessions do you have?
1: Uh, there's probably two, two or three more, yeah.
0: How, how long are these sessions?
1: There's one that's like 20 minutes and there's one that's like, there's other ones that are like five minutes, ten minutes. I mean, it's just a lot. Yeah, I remember we recorded on these this mini disc when, when, when after after rehearsal, me and Adam used to just would be in there alone, and I would drop beats and he would be on his fuzz bass, and we would be doing like the question and answer thing, and we would call it We would call it a Terminator battle. <laughs> <laughs> let's terminate this this battle, and so yeah, that's you know.
0: So you have these recordings. I do well no will we ever get to hear them
1: uh who knows maybe maybe conquest 2 conquest 2 because as the a fan year. as a
0: fan i'm not about money listen i've been doing a pro no, bono but... beastie boys podcast for over 10 years i just want to hear the stuff i'm just a fan
1: no. the music brings me joy yeah i mean who who, who knows i mean who knows like that's uh Maybe I'll be happy enough when I'm on Instagram Live to play something. All right.
0: So November 2011, the Beastie Boys enter Oscilloscope Laboratories for the last time. Do you know if they're putting together songs or they're just jamming out? I think both. Were you part of these sessions?
1: Of of, uh, the hot sauce stuff?
0: No, this is November 2011. Because I was really talking cheap. I was talking to Andre Kalman earlier this week, and he said that the Beastie Boys were in the studio from November to December of 2011, and they were working on hardcore songs.
1: Oh, no, 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 that was them. That was them on their own.
0: But were you part of any of these sessions
1: in late 2011? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. I was doing my own thing. Okay. So all yeah, the yeah. stuff,
0: these recording sessions... The two lost songs from Paul's Boutique, the stuff that you worked on with MCA, it's in a vault somewhere. Will we ever hear that stuff?
1: I mean, there's a lot of Hello, Hello Nasty songs that weren't even put on the album, so um, who knows? Who knows? I, I mean, except to Mario. I want to give a shout-out, though, to, uh, to Mario Caldado. I have to give a shout-out to my man. Um, yeah, Mario and, and, and Money Mark and um, Bobo Fredo. I just want to give a shout-out to the crew before this documentary comes out i want to just give a shout out to the foundation the players the important players behind this
0: mike thank you for your time today of course when I, when i arranged this interview it felt like i was going into a back alley and i didn't know if i was going to come out with an interview or a you know or nothing uh, i wanted awesome. to i wanted to ask you a question about autographs yeah what is the etiquette of signing autographs because i watch you on social media and after a show, someone will present a jacket or their mixer to sign, and you don't just put your autograph on it. You pretty much tag the whole thing. So, has any fan gotten upset with you because you signed too much for an autograph?
1: Yeah, there was a few. There was a few. <laughs> there was a few. that were like, oh, "How come I don't get a I don't get a spaceship?" Because <laughs> I do this I do this spaceship thing, and some people get mad because they don't get the spaceship. But when you get the spaceship, then that's when. Uh, <laughs> The value goes up because then you know it's really me. (laughs) But there
0: was one where you had to sign a guy's jacket and then you basically signed the entire back portion of his jacket.
1: Just felt good. Just feels good. (laughs) Me, I grew up like I was like, uh, I wanted to be, I always wanted to be a graph artist. And now this is, is, these are my chances (laughs) to actually get up on people's jackets.
0: And before you go, can you give us two quick stories about playing with both Metallica and Cypress Hill? How was it opening up for Metallica on a freaking stadium tour?
1: First of all, I just want to give, uh, give love to Lars, James, Kirk, and Robert Trujillo for putting me on that tour with them. It was amazing. I mean, come on, like 80,000 to 100,000 every night opening up for Metallica was, was a life-changing experience. You know what I mean? Usually they have metal bands that open up for them. Six people on stage wailing on guitars, but it's just me. With two turntables and a mixer. And I was, it was just something that's really, I'm never going to forget for the rest of my life. And it's something that I don't think you'll ever see that again. And, and, and in one, you have to be a complete fucking psycho to open up for Metallica and get accepted. <laughs> 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 and then, you know, that's why I talk about confidence, right? When your confidence goes up, it's just like, oh shit, okay. But yeah, it's just, just amazing. And for Cypress Hill, um, I must say I do I, I do have my own uh, Cypress Hill dressing room on tour and it's the Cypress Hill non-smoking room <laughs> which which you'll never see that ever It's like a lot of firsts in history
0: no but for the Cypress Hill show when Be Real and Sendog leave stage and it's just you and Eric Bobo two former members right. of the Beastie Boys yeah right I, I felt like an old grandmother because I was like oh <laughs> so sweet
1: that's so sweet yeah
0: and i had be real on the jim Shear show and he said that he said he said this if the situation ever arises again and we know the situation i'm talking about you're good to go he gives you total blessing to jump to another band if that situation ever arises
1: oh for me yes oh no 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 no. but you know before i joined cypress i was like i had no aspiration of joining no band you know, but, no, 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 no. Uh, he's,
0: he's talking about the band in which you became famous.
1: Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So oh, he yeah, said, yeah. if
0: that situation ever arises, <laughs> you've got the green light from Dr. Green Thumb.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? That's all family. And, and, and I'm, I'm blessed to have them as not only like family, friends, but, but as bandmates as well. So I have a bunch of bandmates with different skill sets. And it's, a, it's an awesome thing. From the Invisible Scratch Pickles to the Beasties to Cypress to Metallica. I've, uh, I've had a, be- a blessed life, Jim.
0: Mike, I can't even, I don't even know where to begin.
1: So <laughs> words,
0: words cannot express it. But if I had to quote a, a great man, I would say, nobody can do it like Mixmaster can.
1: <laughs> you my man. Oh, I have a... I have a- I put together a Greatest Hits album, but it's not called Greatest Hits. It's a Mixmaster Mike Greatest Blitz album. Go check that out. When's it available? It's available now, go, go on SoundCloud. I put it up secretly for people to discover.
0: It's a secret, no more, Mixmaster Mike's
1: Greatest Blitz. Greatest Blitz, all out Blitz, there we go.
0: For the serial wax killer, Mixmaster Mike, my name is Jim Shear and we will see yins later. Yes, and pick up that Conquest. There you go. A dream come true. I got to professionally interview Mixmaster Mike. And I shouldn't have even said professionally, because if I interviewed him for the brouhaha, it wouldn't have been professionally, but it would still be a dream come true. Now, not saying I had anything to do with it. I would never do that. Although, once upon a time, Glennie Friedman was on the brouhaha, and I prodded him to join Instagram, and a week or two later, he did. Maybe he was already on the fence. Maybe I had nothing to do with it, but in the back of my head, I would like to think I had a a teeny tiny small part in Glennie Friedman joining Instagram. And now he is an Instagram beast, but I may be wrong. Maybe I had nothing to do with it. But I asked Mixmaster Mike about that Lost MCA track. Because, you know, I got his new album, I'm listening to it, and I'm like, hey, it's like a bar. This isn't a song, this is a bar. So later in 2020, Mixmaster Mike puts out a mix with, you got it, the Lost MCA track. So let me play that for you right now.
1: Check it out. Oh yeah? Hey, what's happening? You already know, man. You, man. You, man dreams The alarm clock sounds as the dawn cracks around the New York town. Another plastic hand shake and smile. Another friend who's lost as he's searching for style? Another word, another for another passing day. Memories found in the attic of my brain, like the air in the lungs, cross the vocal cords, coming like a doing going shifting shore. From the records that are cut, when they're on the lane to the ears that are ringing from the sounds I made. From the woodshed, I'm working on my chops. The hot off the presses coming out the box. box, box, box He's found in the attic of my
0: <laughs> There you go Just imagine Just imagine all the other stuff That is out there mm. Wouldn't you love to hear it? Me too And you know there's gotta be hours Upon hours Upon hours Of tape somewhere Maybe Mike D and Ad-Rock don't want to sift through that, but you know who would be game for sifting through that? Me right here. So Mario C, if you, if you ever need anyone to sift through old recordings, if you want to put out another Beastie Boys release, just give me a call. Or email me at beastiepodcast at gmail.com. So that will do it for this episode of The Brew Haha. Like I said, I wanted to get an episode out before the year finished. To some of you, this may act like a clip show. Remember when sitcoms would do that back in the day? You would sit in front of your TV hoping for a new episode, and then you're like, ah, they're just showing highlights from old episodes. So if you feel like this was a clip show, I apologize. If you liked the interview with Mixmaster Mike and you consider this a new episode of the Brouhaha, then I will take that as a small victory, as we enter into 2022. So in the new year, I hope to put out more episodes of the Haha, multiple episodes of the Haha. It will be the 30th anniversary of my favorite album of all time. So anyway, thank you for listening. I hope you and your family and friends are safe. All the best to you in the brand new year. So until next time, my name is Jim Shear, and I will see Yen's later.
1: That's it. That's all. That's all there is. Come on,
0: yo, we gonna end it on a one-two-three note. Are you ready? One, two,
1: one, two, three. Can I take you to the brouhaha? Take you to the brouhaha. Take you to the brouhaha. Take you to the brouhaha.